Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Mobile hunters, if you're interested in upping your mobile game, then head to tetherednation.com and check out their saddle gear. There are a few things that you can buy that will actually help you become a better deer hunter or give you the freedom to hunt any tree or any situation. This reason is why I started saddle hunting in the first place and why I use Tethered's gear. I can honestly say that Tethered's saddle gear has changed how I hunt for the better. Big tree, little tree, from the ground, it doesn't matter. I'm untethered by my gear to hunt the best setup for the situation instead of hunting for a tree that my gear can use. My current course setup consists of the Phantom Saddle, Tethered One Sticks, and the Predator Platform, and along with an assortment of their accessories. So if you want to up your mobile game, head over to tetherednation.com. If you're like me, you spend a lot of time pouring over maps, looking at weather data, all in an effort to help predict when and where my best times are to hunt. It'd be nice if there was a reliable source with all this information in one place. Enter the Spartan Forge app. Unlike some other predictive apps on the market, Spartan Forge was created from military combat intelligence experience tailored for hunters and stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting. No more man-made algorithms. This is a predictive model based on real GPS collared deer data, historical and predictive weather, and the next level of mapping imagery, all at my fingertips. I've had an opportunity to use the desktop version last year and have been using the iOS app this season, and it has replaced all my other mapping tools. Visit SpartanForge.ai and sign up today, or head to your iOS or Android app store and download it today. This podcast is brought to you by Skull Brew Coffee Company. Skull Brew Coffee roasts premium single-origin coffee, guaranteeing to deliver the freshest coffee directly to your doorstep. The kicker? They're 2% for conservation certified and donate 10% of their proceeds back to organizations who support the interests of our hunting community. So go to SkullBrewCoffee.com and pick up one of their three killer roasts and fuel your hunt and fill more tags with Skull Brew Coffee. Welcome to the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast brought to you by Skull Brew Coffee Company. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 260. Today, we're filling tags with my good buddy, Johnny Utah, so stay tuned. What is up, everyone? Happy Wednesday to you. Hope you are doing well. Hope you are feeling fine on this whatever day of December this is. All I know is that Christmas is fast approaching, and I think I've bought one gift to this point, which, look, I'm not panicking. This is my this is my strategy. I let everyone else go do all the shopping. And then I just kind of fill in the holes. So that's my so that's my plan. That's what I'm going to do. The, the only gift I got out of the way at this point is my wife's gift, which is kind of the one that will get me in the most trouble. Um, but I always do like a, a a daughter gift every year for my daughter. And I don't know what I'm going to get her because she's now 
13, so buying her something kind of cute or whatever is not going to be a good solution. Last year I did like a trail riding, horseback riding thing because she's super into into horses, and that was super cool. So we actually did that in, in the spring. So I can't really double up on that or I look like I'm not really trying. So um, I'm really kind of at a loss for what to get a 13-year-old little girl for a for a daddy-daughter gift. But anyway, we'll figure that out probably this week. But uh, I did get a chance to get out into the woods uh, this last kind of weekend, last uh, guest day of gun season. I uh, took my bow for a walk and was really kind of targeting that second peak rut date or, you know, second peak breeding date. You know, I follow a handful of cameras that I know kind of uh, have the opportunity to turn on, you know, during during that time period. Uh, I've watched them for a couple of years and I know in a couple couple areas um, historically has turned on. And I know there, there's a lot that kind of goes into that. Um, actually, I talked a lot of it, uh, a lot about this with Tony Peterson on the most recent Wired to Hunt podcast. But um you know, it's, it's whether or not you have a doe who has not been bred, right. That's the obvious. And, or if fawns hit the right kind of, you know, weight, uh, you know, biometrics, if you will, uh, to allow them to have their first estrus during that time frame. And so in a few places in the, in the past couple of years that I've been kind of watching with trail cameras and stuff like that, uh, I noticed that I've a couple of them have had the, um, have consistently kind of turned on and it doesn't happen in the same spots every year, the same kind of location every year. It might be, you know, this year it's in, you know, where this trail camera has been hung and next year it might not be that one. It might be in another, another area, but they're all kind of very secluded, um, densely covered, uh, kind of primary scrape areas, I guess is how you would classify it. And so I just kind of monitor those. And then I, I kind of know that whenever I start to see, you know, bucks or does, uh, start to hit those scrapes again, just a couple of days prior to that second peak rut date. Um, I know that that's probably the area that I need to be in. Maybe not necessarily that scrapes. It's not like it's, you know, mid, you know, mid to late October. Um, but I probably need to be in that general area somewhere, maybe a little bit closer to the bedding, or if there's a, you know, destination late season, you know, or a later season food source that's in play in the timber, I might need to, you know, be setting up you know closer to that. Um, so I did that this past weekend. And of course, you know, if anyone that was out there hunting this past weekend knows it was like 65 degrees, like the worst possible weather you could probably have to close out the, <laughs> the, the hunting season for the first season, at least, uh, you know, ending, ending gun season, 65 degrees, rainy, super humid, windy. Um, but I went out and braved it anyway, didn't see anything. And so now we'll, kind of take the break here, uh, over the holidays and stuff like that and get ready for, for late season. And that's really what I'm, I'm kind of getting ready to do here. Um, you know, the season will come in, I think the 27th. Um, I think I made a mistake in the last podcast where I mentioned, um, hunting in between, which of course you can't, you can't do that. So I had my date dates mixed up. So be back out in the timber on the, um, on the, on the 27th and kind of getting after it. Fortunately, I'm off actually between Christmas and new year's. Uh, so I'll have that entire week off. So I'll have, you know, a nice handful of days. So I think I'm actually going to get out of town and do a little traveling and do a, two, uh, a quick two to three day travel hunt during that, um, during that time period. So those are really my plans, but we're not going to kind of, uh, delay this upfront or belabor this upfront. Do have one thing I want to pass along to you guys. You guys know that I use the Spartan Forge app. I uh, started using the beta version last year, used the full version this year. I, I'm actually using it on, on iOS. But uh, if you head to the website and you use the promo code TRUTH, you can get an account and get a um, essentially get a deal on, on the account or get a discount on the account if you use the promo code TRUTH. You sign up for an account on their website. That's at SpartanForge.ai. Um, 
And then from there, you can go to whatever your app provider is, whether you're using Android or iOS, and go there and download the app and put in your credentials, and you'll be all logged in and ready to go. But you can get the discount if you're interested in getting a new app uh, or a better mapping app than what you might be what you might be using. They've got some killer features. The predictive deer modeling is awesome. That's the one area that I kind of used the past two seasons really to kind of look at what that potential secondary peak date is and it's uh, and it's been on the money the past uh, the past couple seasons and so you get the predictive deer modeling there's a ton of info in there around browse one thing i'm always needing to get better at especially late season is what type of browse are in the areas that i'm going to be hunting that i need to be looking for um and so it actually has a lot of this stuff detailed on there obviously telling you when deer are going to move it's not like some of the competitors apps where you know, they're using one person's or two people's, you know, collective experience of, of hunting experiences in a particular region and, you know, using some type of man-made algorithm and saying, hey, this is when the deer are going to move. But it doesn't really have any relationship to where you actually live and hunt. That is di- what is different about Spartan Forts. They're actually using collared deer data and are able to tell with, you know, by region where those deer have been tagged or have been collared you know, what their proclivity is to move during certain times of the year. And that's how they get the accurate modeling for the, 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 the prediction movement, movement, whether it's going to be abnormal, normal, whether they're going to be core area, transition areas, whatever the case is incredibly accurate uh, and about, I've been using it for the past two years and it's awesome. So SpartanForge.ai, use a promo code truth, uh, get yourself an account and then head over to whatever app provider you want to use and, uh, or that you use and download the app. So with that, going to jump into today's podcast. Got my good buddy on. You know him, you love him, Mr. Johnny Utah Mulligan. Uh, John's had a pretty killer season. Um, you know, his Iowa Iowa season uh, capped off, I think, right around November 1st, if I'm not mistaken. It's a deer that he had his eyes on for a little while. He had to make a couple moves, and, uh, you know, I'll let him tell the story of how, how that all kind of came together. And then he actually went to Texas on a flyer to do some work, actually, as you guys know or probably know, you know, John's a photographer, uh, you know, in, in general. That's what he does for a living. Um, and so he was hired to, you know, do some photo work in, in Texas and got an opportunity to hunt, uh, hunt Texas. Uh, and so he tells that story as well. And then as I'm recording this, John is actually on a plane on his way to Canada to hunt moose, if I'm not mistaken, uh, with a bow. And it's something he's wanted to do for a while. So super stoked that he's getting to do that. And I'm sure he'll have some great stories when he comes back. So without further ado, we're just going to go ahead and jump into today's podcast. And as always, I want to thank you all for listening. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. And on the line with me today is my brother from another mother, the Rattler, hailing from the Kentucky Wildcat State, dirt track racer. <laughs> Johnny uh, Utah, by God, Mulligan. What's going yes. on? Dude? Every time it keeps getting better, man. Every I time. I know. I know. The Wildcat. Johnny wildcat. The, Johnny the Wildcat Utah. Dirt well, it tracker. Makes, it makes me think of uh in the movie Tombstone. Um whenever uh Doc Holliday's talking to uh, Billy Bob Thornton. And he's like, Johnny Tyler, the mad cat. Where are you going with that shotgun? Uh, nice. Yeah, it's all. And to be honest, that was just straight off the dome, man. I felt like Eminem on that. Yeah. I was straight freestyling on that one. You know, there was no there was no plan, you know. Dude, speaking of straight off the dome, 
total deviation from Whitetail Woods. I love it. Uh, that guy, I think, is his name Juice World. He's dead now. He like overdosed or whatever. Rest his soul. But, um, anyways, he did a he did a song with Eminem. Um, anyways, I saw I, I was in YouTube wormhole and somehow one of his videos popped up and he went on some like, you know, rap podcast talk show. Right. And they're like, so do you got any freestyle? They stopped recording like an hour and 30 minutes later. Jeez. Yeah. Like it's the most amazing. <laughs> so if anybody is into any kind of hip hop or uh, appreciates any kind of rap freestyle, I encourage you to find that, find that YouTube video, that little, that little nugget of, morsel of goodness it's awesome so the youtube wormhole is a real thing oh it is yeah yeah yeah. it'll take it'll take like days from you i'm curious what is the weirdest thing that you've ever wormholed your way into um could be dangerous territory right there it's very dangerous territory the other day um, you know, I, I, I love fitness you and i talk about that we're both we're both into uh taking care of ourselves And, um, anyways, I get into this YouTube wormhole the other day of just checking out a couple of different videos and looking at like some front squats and variations of sissy squats and Mm -hmm. back squats and that kind of stuff. Anyways, now that my knees are repaired and healthy again, I've gotten on this big squat deadlift kick again. And, um, anyways, I, I, it's on autoplay. Mm -hmm. So I don't even know where you know it was like jesus take the wheel of youtube you know (laughs) it was doing its thing and i was like on a whole nother world in like email world and then all of a sudden i kind of start paying attention to the audio in the background and it was talking about the genotyping of insects how insects bit humans over the years and it was this thesis of that's how certain like genotype uh, manipulations happened with uh, different cultures of the world. Like a mosquito could suck blood from that person bites another person. And then years later through mutation and, or let's just call it breeding, Mm -hmm. you know, um, that's how different uh, genetic makeups and, and body formations were made. And I was like, what in the hell am I listening <laughs> <Sam>. to? <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, it this crazy. It's like this mosquito bit this person, flew to this cut co- or flew over here, bit this person, yeah. this person bred with this person, and now we got a Sasquatch. Exactly. You know? like, it was crazy. I'm like I think Man, you, I think you might have just solved the Rubik's cube of the Sasquatch, actually. Where yeah, it came right. From. I think that that's actually you know where it came from. Was that yeah, whole idea? If you think about it. Like it's you know. Yeah, it was it was it was crazy, man. But I that was all playing in the background and and it sucked me in for a little while. And I ended up watching a good like 20, 30 minutes of this stuff. And, you know, at the end of it, it kind of made sense. Right. You're like, ah, I'll buy that. Yeah. I'm like, like, "Hmm." (laughs) what you're telling me, if I want to add an inch to my quads, I just need to get bit by a mosquito. You need to get bit by a mosquito that had previously bit Sasquatch. Yeah. And then like, there you go. You know? get a little Dude, bit of that West Nile up in me. That's know? right. That's right. The, uh, I don't know that I fall into like YouTube wormholes, but I have like dirty, like YouTube, uh, viewing secrets as far as like things that I would never, ever watch otherwise anywhere in the oh, world. Like 
like getting caught singing in public in your car and stuff. Right. Exactly. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. And it's funny because being a previous musician, you know, it's like mine is watching like uh, vocal coach reaction videos to like people who are singing. That is I've like done that. Yeah, yeah. It's like that is probably one of my favorite like guilty pleasures to watch. And it doesn't matter what singer it is. I don't care. It's like it could be like one of the ones I grew up with, like Maynard from Tool, or it could be like yeah. Adele. Or whatever, you know yeah. what I mean? I just uh -huh. want to watch them kind of like yeah. pick apart their their vocal performance or whatever oh, yeah. and react to it. You yeah. Know? Some some funny ones are whenever um I mean I'm not gonna beat around the bush, I'm just gonna say it. You take a a reaction um YouTube channel mm -hmm. that is predominantly urban. Yes. And then they listen to like somebody like Chris Stapleton for the first time. Oh, I just watched one the other day. It was uh, Oh, it's it's awesome. Oh, I forget and, which like, they love it. I forget which one it was. It was like, it, it was someone, it might've been like Led Zeppelin. Like they'd never heard of Led Zeppelin or something like uh -huh. that. You know, it was like yeah. an urban like hip hop channel or whatever. And they were, it was like some young kids. I mean, they had to be yeah. like 15 or something like that, you know? Uh -huh. yeah. And they throw it on. I'm almost certain it was Led Zeppelin. And they're like, Led Zeppelin. Like, okay. They're like, you know, I think this is an old band, you know, an old time and band, old timey band. And, and like they, they kick in. And like they just made immediately it was like stank face. It was like, oh, like yeah. <laughs> that jump bottom uh -huh. group. They were like, shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it was yeah, hilarious. Well, and so I think the guys, the guys that do those reaction uh videos, the ones that are so genuine that it's like you're watching a seven-year-old that mm -hmm. doesn't care who their audience is and they yeah. just say exactly what's on their mind. Yeah. The, those are those are super cool, man. And yeah. and vice versa. I've seen some like hillbillies you know, have those reaction videos and they'll listen to like some Jack Harlow stuff. Right. And they're right. like, I like, I like, I, Hey, damn man. I kind of like this. It's pretty cool. There's <laughs> you know? one guy, not that I'm on TikTok a whole lot and we're going way off the reservation here with like nothing related to, to deer hunting, but there's a, <laughs> no. there's a guy on there that he's a hip hop guy. And I have an appreciation for like underground hip hop because the one club I worked at when I lived in Orlando, there was a ton of underground hip hop. And like actually a bunch of my friends were like in mm -hmm. underground hip hop groups and were hip hop producers and stuff like that. And, uh, and I don't know, I forget, I wish I knew what his name was, but he's kind of like that new age of like young hip hop, you know, rapper. He's got some face tattoos and colored hair and, you know, he's like interesting cat, but he raps, like nothing but like Dr. Seuss on TikTok yeah. and it's, and it is badass. It's like, and after you hear him do it, like he's done it to so many of the, like the different Dr. Seuss rhymes and stuff like that. You're like, dude, Dr. Seuss was like a hip hop superstar, man. You know what uh -huh. I mean? It's like, oh, you, yeah. you know, it's yeah. a, it's pretty hilarious. The, the OG that. rapper. Dude, he totally is. I'm like, man, there's like, yeah. you could do a whole record with Dr. Seuss hip hop rhymes. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, it probably sell millions of records. Yeah, Doctor Dre. Who? Doctor Seuss. Doctor Seuss. Yeah, he's the original. He's the original DRE. That was the original <laughs> doctor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man, that's too good. Yeah. So what's I'll have been to kicking, I, man. Oh what's man, what's going on? You know, man, Kansas. You know, on yeah. the struggle bus. Got late season coming up here. Yeah. Had some. You know, you and I always stay in. You know, you haven't been on the show since I don't know. I looked back. I think it was like July was the last time you were on, which is crazy. Uh -huh. Um, but I mean, you and I stay in touch, like all the way out, you know, through the season stuff like that. We're always talking, but you right. Know, right now, man, it's like truthfully, Pennsylvania's in the throes, you know, this will come out here sometime in December, but at the, at the moment, while John and I are recording, we're kind of in the throes of gun season at the moment, which 
Yeah. Someone asked me today, you know, on Instagram, they DM me and was like, Hey man, they're from, they're from PA. And they're like, Hey, do you go out during gun season at all with your bow? And I'm like, sometimes I do, but I was like, truthfully, it's like, I'm, I'm usually just getting back from a trip and my season starts mid September. And that's even if I don't do a Western hunt and I'm just going after that entire time. And you know, my wife is super cool and lets me just do that. And so I kind of almost feel like when I get back from my trip in November, and gun season comes in, it's like, that's usually like my two week time to like spend some time at home with the fam, maybe take care of some stuff around the house, you know, just be, be present, so to speak. Yeah. You know, before the, uh, before the late season push happens. So that's kind of usually what my plan is. And then I'll plan to get back after it here in in late season, but better yet, man, what's going on with you, dude. Cause you've, since the last time we talked, dude, you've been chasing multiple species, multiple excuse me, multiple states, shooting bucks. Yeah. Shooting yeah, ducks. Man. You know, you know, doing my thing. No, um, it's, um, you know, I, I didn't have the best. My, my Western season wasn't, wasn't stellar. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was okay. You know, I learned some stuff. I, I found at least one positive takeaway from every unsuccessful hunt. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, so, but I got into whitetail season and, and, you know, ended up putting my eyes on a, on a good deer. He was not my number one deer. He was actually my number three deer and my number one and my number two, they just vanished, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I was kind of starting to think that those were just summer bucks, right? You know, they, they kind of vanished off of cameras come September, you know, mm-hmm. they went hard horned and, and they scattered. So I waited them out, waited them out through October, hoping that they would resurface. I moved more cameras out there and then rearranged some cameras and, um, you know, started transitioning stuff over to scrapes and some hot trails coming off of bedding and whatnot. And, and nothing, nothing, nothing. Just, they, they weren't, they were gone. So I ended up laying eyes on my number three buck and, uh, he kind of tipped his, uh, tipped his hand a little bit there and, and I could see where he was coming out of the timber and he did it on a morning that was real, real frosty, cold morning. And it was a morning cut bean field, which mm. is very, very odd. Um, well, activity. Before, yeah, be- before we jump, before we go all the way, before we go all the way through, I wanted to, I wanted to back up for just a second. Yeah. I know you and I talked a lot during October because we were kind of in similar in similar places, but you know, and it was almost like we were validating what each other was seeing <laughs> like to a degree yeah, where it was right. like, yeah. it was the same thing. Like I had bucks that were around and then kind of disappeared. And then for me, they showed back up like sometime like mid October ish. And then I was trying to figure out where they, where they had gone. And it's like, I had like a flurry of activity, but I know you had some like encounters or some close calls like earlier in the year, if I'm remembering correctly. And then it just like all of a sudden just like dried up. And it wasn't yeah. like, you know, the, it, you know, October lull, yeah, food sources are shifting and stuff like that, but it wasn't necessarily that. It was like even like moving cameras and stuff, I still wasn't, and, and I think you had the same thing too. It's like I still wasn't getting the activity, you know, whether yeah. I was in the wrong spot yeah. or whatever the case was. And we, yeah. you and I, I know, had we had several conversations where we were like, dude, I had these deer on camera and then they just vanished. Yeah. Like, are you seeing the same thing? Because usually you're ahead of me in weather pattern by a couple of days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, right. and so it's right. nice to be able to kind of check in with each other because it's like you'll have had the weather pattern come through and then I'll have the weather pattern and then we can kind yeah. of talk and be like, hey, what did the deer do in your area? Did you see uh-huh. even though it's yeah. 
Pennsylvania and Iowa, like we get it. It's we're in very different places, but yeah. it's just nice to kind of have a buddy, you know, to kind of bounce those things off of even from a different area to kind of talk. There's about a lot. Yeah. And there's still a lot of similarities for sure. Um, you know that what they're, what they're doing. Yeah. It was weird, man. October was, was just dead. I mean, when I say dead, I was wondering where my trail cameras even working. I was going out and walking past trail cameras yeah, just to confirm that they were taking photos, yeah. you know, um, I've done, that before. Were, I've done that before too, for sure. Yep. And they were sending pictures of me. I mm-hmm. just wasn't getting any pictures of deer, which told me I just didn't have any deer in the area. So I kept moving some cameras around, moving the cameras around one of the properties in particular, I had a, a little bit of a overzealous landowner that's uh, retired and uh you know for shits and giggies he just likes to go ride his quad around right um which you know very well was playing into a little bit of my inactivity on those some of those field edges but nonetheless i just wasn't getting any pictures of stuff man i was starting to get kind of bummed and And you had some good ones over the summer too like you had some slammers yeah you had some real some real gems yeah i had i had a couple of bucks over over this over the 70 mark and um you know, one into the 80, 80 mark. And I was real excited, real pumped up. Um, you know, but once, once we got into towards that end of October, I could, I could see the light at the end of the tunnel. I could see the cooler weather finally starting to come. Cause up until probably October 20th, October 25th, we still had days that it was like 82, 83 degrees yeah. in Iowa. So, which was unseasonally warm for us. We do have like this early muzzleload season that guys can partake in, and um, it's a hit or miss season. And this year it was a miss, <laughs> really bad. Right. You know, cause those poor chumps, you know, spent one of their tags uh, during a season with 85 degree temps and a muzzleloader. Yeah, it just didn't work news. out so well for them. Yeah, and, no, uh, man. It, it, it's, it's funny because it kind of mirrored here. It's like I had a real, like, we got one little brief cold i don't even say cold snap but it was just like it got cooler it wasn't like your classic Mm -hmm. october like first frost or anything like that yeah you know and it was around like the 15th and i had a really good encounter and then we had another one it was basically in that same kind of window i think it was like the 18th or whatever and i had another really good encounter other than those two like days where i had some really like what i'll say is like was the better weather for like october other than Uh that i was in the same kind of boat man where it was just like warm kind of shitty you know not a ton of not a ton of movement in general but same here it's like where i could see the i could see the light but that last week of november uh i think actually wasn't i don't remember if it was great or not but the first week of november i'm sorry the last week of october the first week of november i actually wasn't able to get out at all because i was planning to get ready to leave for kansas so i was trying to wrap up a bunch of shit before i left and so i wasn't right, really able yeah. to get out at all but i wasn't mad about it because the weather i wasn't great and my cameras were like just completely dead like yeah. nothing this upcoming concert season will be all about the boots and tacovis is your stop for the best in western style tacovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer including men's and women's boots apparel hats bags and more All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecovis store, 
have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a, it was definitely a strange year. I want to say, um, without going off of my notes, I want to say it was like October twenty seventh, mm-hmm. um, maybe the twenty sixth. But we had a day where it actually was like thirty degrees that morning, and we got a little bit of a frost on the ground in some of the shaded areas. You right. know, the early yeah. the early the early shade spots. Um, had enough time to cool down that night and get a little frosty so the night before. So that morning I went out and I thought, you know what, maybe I'm just, I'm going to sit in my grizzly box blind where I have the most vantage observation point. I can see thousands and thousands of yards of field edges. Mm-hmm. And maybe I can at least just see where these deer are coming in and out of because mm-hmm. nothing was consistent and, and they're visually you know, the whole boots on the ground was not revealing anything you know, right. to me. So I was like, I'm just going to sit in this box blind this morning and, and see what I see. Now I can also see onto the neighbors. Mm-hmm. I'm not, obviously I'm not making a plan to go hunt the neighbors, but if I can see that deer are cruising field edges on the neighbor's side, well, it tells me they might cruise on my side at some point, you know, but right. I went and sat and I ended up seeing my number three buck. He came out and worked a scrape, put on a show and he started pushing some does and it wasn't that like, uh, over aggressive, you know, right. bumping, but he was definitely sprinting to go smell deer right. and he even lip curled a couple times and postured up a few times for him, you know? And I was like, okay, this is, this is, you know, this might just work. Um, what he told me was where, where he was coming out of the timber. He wasn't Hmm. working a field edge. He was coming straight from bedding straight to that edge Hmm. to work that scrape. And then he cut across the field. So I took that information, the fact that it was a frosty morning and the fact that they were already starting to bump some does pretty hard. Um, traditionally in Iowa, we don't see that posture, that chasing, that bumping, uh, for me anyways, I typically don't see it until like November 5th through the 10th, right. you know, that's when I usually start seeing that. So I'm not one of those people that's going to say, Oh, the rut was early this year. I'm just saying that I was seeing the, they were getting frisky earlier than I normally see them get frisky. Right. Um, so nonetheless, I did have a tree stand already hung exactly where that deer came out of the timber. <laughs> so I picked the right field. I just picked the wrong stand. Right. Um, so what, what, uh, what led you to put a stand there? Cause obviously, like you said, like you kind of saw that deer and you know, if you didn't have a stand there, it'd be like, Hey, I should have a stand there. It was the lowest elevation point of that bean field. Okay. So on a, a little, field edge, little thermal draw right there for him to yep. catch. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, thermal thermal draw, but it also had a point. So the trees kind of kicked out a little bit. It wasn't a smooth hard line. Okay. So it you know, it's kind of like he could 
he had an extra 10 yards that he could still be in the timber, but he was really in the field too. You know what I mean? A little jet out of trees. So, uh, kind of like a little mini finger, you know, or Mm -hmm. a mini thumb. So that's where I hung, I hung the set and, and it worked out really good because it was one of those multi-stemmed, you know, oaks. So like, I love those things Mm -hmm. and I can pick one of them. And then I basically have all the other trunks around me for cover, um, and kind of breaking up that, that silhouette a little bit. But, um, anyways, that's where I had the stand and I was like, well, that's where I should have been this morning. Um, <laughs> right. and I know where I'll be on the next cold front. So I looked at the maps and, you know, all the different weather apps. And I saw that November 1st, I was going to have another cold front come in the, um, the night before late that night before it was going to mm-hmm. be a little windy and then the wind was going to lay down, but that wind was going to hurry up and get that cold front brought in a little bit faster so I thought, okay, if we can cool things down the morning of November 1st, you know, I'm not saying it's a slam dunk, but I'm saying I've got a few percentage points that I think I can see that buck again over there. So I ended up calling a, a local buddy of mine, um, a fellow by the name of Winston, uh, Winston Walls. He actually works for, uh, he works for Lee and Tiffany. And I called him, I said, Hey, I need, I need uh, some cameraman assistance. I don't want to you know, I don't want to self film this because I have a feeling if this buck makes it, makes an appearance, he's going to be right here right now. And it could, it could happen fast. Um, so I knew that I wanted to have somebody with me in the tree to film that. So he volunteered, he came, uh, he came to help me film, um, met me at the house here at like four, four forty-five, five o'clock in the morning. And we were set up, uh, we were at the farm, you know, six o'clock, got dressed, you know, outside of the truck and we walked in and unfortunately where this setup is, and we always talk about entry exit being so key. Mm-hmm. I have, there's only one way for me to get to that stand. I have to cut across an open field. Mm-hmm. I have no choice. Right. There's no way to do that. The second best option is to walk all along the ed- field edge of the bedding to get there. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> so I'm like lesser of two evils is I'm going to have to just, you know, pinpoint myself, but just haul ass across this field. And hopefully with the cover, the, the cover of darkness right. that I don't spook anything too bad. Yeah. Uh, um, but I had a good wind, you know, to get there. So we get, we get to the point where we're getting ready to have to cross this, you know, let's just call it like a four acre bean field. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, brother, here's the deal. I was like, we, uh, we're going to have to, we're going to have to haul ass across here. We're probably going to make some noise cutting and, uh, you know, stepping across bean stubble. Right. That stuff always so damn Dude. noisy. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. you don't realize how noisy that stuff is until you're trying to like, you're you trying know. to be quiet. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, and you know, without a light and, and you're trying to cut across uh, and step in between the rows, but yeah. I'm walking diagonally. Yeah. So it's like it looks like you're dancing when you're doing it because you're like crossing oh, over. It's like you're doing like the cha cha yeah. or something through the bean field. Oh my gosh, it was so it was <laughs> ignorant, you know. So we we haul ass, we get across the field, we get to the base of the tree, and I was I tell Winston, I'm like, hold on a second, I'm gonna go freshen. There's a scrape right out in front of this stand. I'm gonna freshen it up a little bit. Um, you know, it won't hurt. Right. So, um, I freshened it up a little bit and, uh, came back, we climbed up in the tree, 
took our time. We knew we, we had no, we had no wind, no sound. We took our time, you know, got a, got the camera equipment set up, got my bow pulled up. And, and I actually, the only time I traditionally will sit down in the stand is as soon as I get in the stand, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm going to go ahead and just enjoy sitting down for a little while. Yeah. Cause I know I'm going to stand the rest of the sit anyways. So I went ahead and sat down while it was still dark and I heard something over my right shoulder inside the timber. And I'm like, was that a, did like, did Winston fart? Did he burp, right. you know, like, or was it my stomach, you know? Right. And then I hear it again, just. Rah, 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 rah. So what time, what time is this? I, this is like seven twenty-seven. And okay. So shoot, you got, you got shooting, shooting light. light. Yeah. 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 Shooting light was like, I think. Um, legal shooting light was probably maybe 10 minutes prior, you know? Right. right. Okay. Uh, but we can, you know, you can see. Yeah. And, um, so anyways, uh, I, I hear this mer- 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 mer, and it's just getting louder and louder and louder over my right shoulder. And, and I had already started to turn my head to naturally look to where the sound might be coming from. And Winston's like, dude, I'm hearing a grunt over there. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I hear it too. I was like, it sounds like it's getting closer. You know, he's pushing something this way. So to the right side of us, I see a doe squirt out of the field edge and, and he's right on her, right on her ass. And I'm like, man, if he follows her, like he's going to follow her up through the neighbor's cut cornfield. And I've got, you know, I'm out of luck. I don't know what made him do it. I didn't make a sound. I didn't do anything. He just turns on his own jumps the fence. And the only thing I can figure is he got himself directly downwind of that scrape uh, and it okay. pulled him off of her. Cause again, it's not like she's in estrus. He's just bumping and pushing, you know? Yeah. He's out. He's out checking the party favors. Essentially. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I think he's, he's following her, but then he smells that good, good. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he turns on a dime, jumps the fence and makes a beeline straight to my scrape. Well, I've got him broadside as he's approaching the scrape and I'm like, Meh. and he's not stopping. Like he just keeps barreling right into the scrape. And when he gets to the scrape, he's like seven yards and he's hard quartered to me. And I'm like, oh, this sucks. And I'm already at full draw. <laughs> and I'm like, man, this, I mean, this isn't my preferred shot, but I'll wait till he goes to turn his body to work the scrape or, or to turn to leave and I'll stop him again and have him broadside and make this shot. And then he looks straight up the tree looks right at me. Jeez, uh, <laughs> yeah, but, but it's like plan B what? just went out the door. <laughs> yep. I was like, well, I don't see him turning. And if he does turn, it's going to be on the preload as he's barreling out of there. Yeah. So, um, I, I literally told myself, um, I said, marry that shoulder, man. Like you're going to have to stick that shoulder, like really stick it. So I was able to tuck the arrow in, uh, right in front of his shoulder and run it right down through and, and drilled his heart. And, um, you know, he ran 70, 80 yards and that was it. But Damn. when I hit him, I had never heard a deer actually make that like gurgling sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was hurt, you know, he was hurting for certain that's for sure. But, uh, yeah, arrow stuck at him. Good. He, uh, he ran, we thought he was going to go down in the field, but he gathered up his shit somehow and was able to make it on into the tree line. 
but he made it about 10 yards into the, into the back, into the tree line. And, and that was it. So yeah, we were able to go, go retrieve him and, and get him, get him drugged back into the truck and, you know, get out of hell. Yeah, man. Super cool hunt. And, um, it's the first time I'd ever sent off any teeth before. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh yeah. What, what was, what did he age at? I forget. I think I saw the post, but yeah, he's five and a half. Nice. Yep. So he was, he was five and a half. Um, we, we had suspected that he was five and a half. And again, you know, that was just going on body size and, you know, he had that real, that back sway and that belly, you know, big full belly on him and, uh, kind of that big can, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? On his backside. Yeah. And eating that brown and uh, beans and rice, you know? Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. He, so was he, a, had a, he was a hammer dude for sure. Yeah. Super, super good buck, real heavy. And uh, yeah, man, it was awesome to put a tag on him. Um, it was a, it was a fun, it was a fun hunt. And I'll be honest. I mean, there's been a lot of times where, you know, we make these plans that we're going to read these deer and we think we have them figured out. This was one of those times that, I really feel like everything came together and I, I read the property and I read the weather and I read the wind and I had to be risky because mm-hmm. I had the worst entry exit ever known to man. <laughs> um, right. but I had to make a few sacrifices. Um, and, and I think that's the other thing is some, sometimes you have to make those sacrifices for the greater good but I knew where I had to be. And I just, I just had to get into that spot. Um, you know, and I was taking a chance on messing things up with my entry, but, uh, but fortunately I only had to make one entry into that area and (laughs) not to tech. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I I think you make a good point there, man, where I think a lot of times people are so hung up on, you know, yeah, you want your access, your exit, your, you know, your entry and your exit to be as clean as you possibly can have it. Right. But uh-huh. there usually isn't a perfect scenario that ever exists for, yeah. for a setup, right. To where it's like, either you're going to give something up a little bit on your entry and exit, or you're going to give up a little bit of something on the sit or something like that. Right. Like, so you're always, yeah. there, you always have to give up something, especially, you know, you know, a real classic area is like, if you have a bunch of converging deer trails, like you can't cover them all. Like you, mm, you ultimately right. have to give something up and you, and yeah. that just goes back to what you're saying, where it's like, you got to read the terrain, you got to, you know, read the property, you got to read the weather, the wind and understand like where the deer are going to likely come from. So you are giving up the lesser of the evils, so to speak. Yeah. Right. Where it's yeah. like, I don't expect deer to come from here. And if they do, it's probably not the deer that I'm expecting. So I'm going to give this yeah. up, you know? And I think yeah. that that's one thing people get hung up on and are afraid to do is you know, is to make that kind of judgment call and, and have a little bit of imperfection in the hunt. Right. Cause if you're not there, you ain't killing the deer. Right. And yep. you know, someone might not want to go do that and say like, well, my access isn't the way I want it. So I'm not going to go sit there. It's like, well, you weren't going to kill him anyway. Like, <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? So it's like, you might as well try it and see if it works out. Like I had a spot like that this year where I had never hunted and I'm looking at the wind and I'm going, well, I know it's wrong for all these other places. I've never hunted this spot before. The wind could be completely wrong to hunt this as well, but I don't know where the deer are coming from. So I don't know if it's wrong or not. So you know what? I'm going to hunt it on a morning in October and see what, and see what happens. Well, I got in there and a North wind in that place actually blows South mm-hmm. at that setup. 
And so, yeah. you know, and I would have never known that until I got in there and hunted it. And I actually ended up having an encounter with a shooter and it was a, it was a great hunt on an October morning. Surprise, surprise, crazy talk. Um, but it was one of those things where I was just like, I, I might just, I might just be completely screwing myself, but I'm not going to know until I try it until I do it. And, and we'll see, you know, but yeah. So the other thing I kind of started doing this, this year a little bit more too, and I don't know how you feel about it. Cause I, I think you might feel the same way. I'm starting to like more and more lean toward morning hunts in October than I ever have before, because I've had better encounters the past, I'll say two years in October during morning hunts than I have during evening hunts. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I was talking about this with a buddy today. Once I hit Thanksgiving, I'm pretty hard pressed to find me go hunt a morning anymore. Right. Um, I like evenings and let's just say if I had to like be really strict about it and just mm-hmm. put it on a monthly schedule, mm-hmm. it's evenings in October, mornings in November, evenings in December. Okay. Interesting. See, you I know, don't- and, Give or take a day or two, but right. it's pretty, that's pretty, pretty legit for me. Right. See, mine's shifted to where, you know, cause I come in in September, so I'm definitely evenings in September, you know, that mm-hmm. September to like the beginning of October. Yeah. Once I hit that like 15th of October timeframe yeah. through like the 20th, I really start to like mornings like that five to or to like the 23rd, like that five to seven day period for whatever reason. It's and it's based on watching trail cameras around here for like the past couple of years and like watching Mm -hmm. when I'm seeing deer hit scrapes and or when I've hunted and had encounters. Yeah. And they all seem to be in the mornings. And it's really weird. Like that classic, like last week of October here historically for me has been kind of a little bit dead. And it's actually been like the October lull is when I've actually seen and had the best encounters and had the best activity, which is yeah. really, kind of, which is really kind of odd. It's not normal, but it's just something I've noticed around here over the past two seasons that it's like October mornings in the middle of the month actually seem to be the thing that really kind of works for me. You know? Yeah. Well, and the only thing that I would deviate from my original statement there is the last week of October mm-hmm. with cold weather. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah, I, that, I like, I would, that's a good caveat because I would say like yeah. the, the, when I had those encounters and stuff like that, it was because I was getting the right weather. It wasn't yeah. like on an 80 degree day or anything like that. You know, what I mean, I actually had some yeah. decent, you know, weather for that time of year to kind of help out. So that's a good that's yeah. a good caveat for sure. Yeah. If I if I have good cold weather, then you'll see me hit some mornings right. the last week of October. But traditionally, it's going to be evenings in October and then. When I say mornings in November, I mean, that's my go-to, except for what I would consider peak pre-rut. Mm-hmm. Is that a thing? Do people talk about that? I mean, people say pre-rut and they say peak rut, but what about peak pre-rut? We might that's be making, that, we might be just, we might be creating a new thing here right now. I'm making, I'm just making shit up. We're doing it, man. We've, you know? We're doing it live. So, so I, to me, peak pre-rut is that one or two, maybe three days where you can rattle any buck you want. Mm-hmm. Every buck in the world is playing that game of musical chairs, you know, right. running around like a bunch of idiots. I mm-hmm. mean, idiots. Usually I only get to see it one day a year. 
mm-hmm. it's like it's usually November seventh, November eighth. Right. That's the dates traditionally that it's been for me. <clears throat> Go back to 2018. That day, Billy and I were hunting together, and we were grunting in and rattling in oh, bucks yeah. from 400 yards away. Yeah, like it was it was ridiculous. That was on November eighth. Um, so on that on during that peak pre rut phase, I like to hunt all day. Mm-hmm. I'm not an all day sitter. I'll be the first to admit it. These guys are like, oh man, you got to just sit bell to bell every day, all day. It's the rut. Anything can happen. Yeah. Anything can happen. I can sit there and eat a bunch of snacks. I can be <laughs> bored as hell. You know what I mean? Right. Right. I'm a fair weather hunter when it comes to that kind of stuff. You know, like I, I just, it's just not me anymore. I don't mm-hmm. know what it is. I, and I don't know if subconsciously I target tree stand locations where I I'm going to see morning and evening activity and I'm not going to see midday cruising. Right. I mean, I might subconsciously be targeting those spots just because I know my ass don't want to sit there at one o'clock. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It's funny. Cause we talked, we talked about this. I might even been right before you shot your buck when we were talking on the phone in October. Um, I've kind of gotten that way too, a little bit. Like I didn't do a lot of all day sits this year where it's like, I did, I did, I did a lot of hunts where it's like a hundred all day and I would maybe sit somewhere in the morning and then I'd get down and I would go scout, walk around, try to find something and then set up for the evening or whatever. Like that's, that's probably more what I do now. The only exception is, you know, I'll put it this way. I got to have some pretty ironclad shit as far as Intel to make me want to, to make me sit all day anymore. Like I'm not, yeah. I'm not sitting all day on a wing and a prayer anymore. Mm-hmm. Like five years ago, I'd maybe do that because I'm like, okay, I just got to wait it out, you know? And yeah. I just, for me now, I'm like, if I don't have, if it's not a primary scrape area, that's like, I know there's a buck in the area. I've got him on camera or I visually have seen him. I know he's living in there and I know it's just like, he's going to hit this scrape. I just got to be here when he does it, you know, type of yeah. thing then, then sure. I'll sit it. I'll sit it all day, but to sit like a funnel somewhere where I'm just like hoping on a wing and a prayer that this pinch point is going to produce a buck. That's going to walk within 20 yards of me. Like I just, I I can't really do it anymore. You know? Yeah. Yep. No. Yeah. And you know, I I'm the same way. I mean, yeah, all of that goes out the window. If I've got a trail camera blowing up, right? Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Mr. Two hundos walking by at 1159. (laughs) Yeah. Every day I'm like, well, maybe I'll pull an all sitter all day, you know, but, um, yeah. man, I, I'm a, I'm a, my mind is a powerful thing. Mind over matter, work more hours. That's what I've built my life on until it comes time to sit in a damn tree stand <laughs> all day. Dude, I start thinking about weird shit. Yeah. Like it's, that's way too much free time for me. Right. Like mosquitoes and creating Sasquatches, man. I'm contemplating like the future of the world. Um, <laughs> I I'm, I'm trying to solve world problems without 1% of the information, you know, right, exactly. Exactly. It's not, it's not a good thing. And then here's what I have found too, man is, um, complacency will hurt you. Oh yeah. And, and I, I find myself when I start not having fun, I start getting complacent. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you, you know, somebody's listening is going, Oh yeah. Cause he's just not a strong willed person. Okay. Whatever. Yeah, you know? Right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> it just, yeah, I get it. Yeah. I mean, you, you, 
there's parts of the season that, you know, for better or worse, sometimes you got to suck them up. Yeah. But I start getting, I start getting a little complacent when I start not having fun. And as the days start ticking off, I'm like, well, maybe I shouldn't go to this stand, but you know what? I only got an hour and a half. So I could get more stand time in if I just went back to that tree stand or I, you know, I, I walked in, hung a set here right. where I know that I really should walk 20 minutes just to get to the spot that I really need to be. Right. So, I mean, Hey, I admit my faults, you yeah. know, I know Dude, that's one of my weak areas. I'm, I'm 43. I'm old. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Right. It's, like, <laughs> it's I'm the same way, man. It's like, and to be honest with you, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, I learned this year. You know, I didn't fill a tag in PA yet. I got the late season to do it. Had some great encounters. But what I did this year better than I have in years past is I was much more strategic about my hunts. Like when I yeah. sat, I had a high percentage sit and I was usually seeing I was in deer or I was having an encounter with one of the deers I had on one of the deers with one of the deer that I had on camera that I wanted to shoot. Yeah. You know, and yeah. part of that was is like, you know, year, you know, two years ago, even I, you know, I would start burning it hard as soon as my season came in in the middle of September. And by the time right, like the right. getting would start to get good, I would start to get burned out. Oh yeah. I would start to get burned yep. out already where I'm just like, I can't sit in this tree yep. like another freaking day. You know what I mean? And I right, right. this year I, I did a lot more like get up before work, go catch a morning hunt. If the weather was going to be good, mm -hmm. you know, if the weather's going to mm -hmm. be good in the evening, I'd go, I'd, you know, try to wrap things up at work kind of early and dip out real quick and go catch two hours in a spot, you know? And some of those yeah. sits honestly were almost like recon sits where it's like, I wasn't, right. I wasn't up in my stuff. I was close, yeah. but I wanted yeah. to take a walk through and I wanted to maybe uh -huh. check a camera. And while I'm there, I'm going to hunt it because I right. wanted to kind of watch as I was watching weather. I'm going, I know in three days I'm going to have the right weather. I'm actually taking that day off from work and I want to make sure I got a plan for that, yeah. you know? And so that was a lot more of what I did this year. And, and, you know, something different, likewise, something different I did this year that I don't typically do is. I know what tree stand I actually wanted to go sit the morning that I saw this buck for mm -hmm. the first time. Um, it would not have allowed me to see him because it was kind of a dog leg of this field and I wouldn't have been able to see around to the other side of the field. Right. So I did a very, a dad thing. I did a mature thing. <laughs> I sacrificed a morning hunt to make it an observation sit. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and had I not done that, I don't know that I would have killed that deer. Yeah. Um, so, and in years past, I would have never done that. I would have been like, it's October 27th. I'm not wasting a single day on observation. I'm going into a kill stand Yeah. every day from here on out. Um, but I took a step back and said, okay, I'm going to waste one, one day mm -hmm. because I might go now. And I really thought out of that blind where that blind, that blind is actually set up for late season mm -hmm. and early season or mid season observation. Right. It's, it is set up for late season kill. I did not think that I was actually going to have a chance to shoot a deer that morning, but I needed to go see, you right. know, right. Because I knew there was deer moving and, and, and it also confirmed another thing when that deer came out and worked that scrape, he was about 65 yards from a trail camera. Mm -hmm. So he's, he was just, he's, he's just been, outside he's just been skirting it. He's been around the whole time. It was uh -huh. likely just, just skirt. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so man. he just was just outside of range of that trip in that trail camera to pick mm -hmm. up on him. Yeah. And, uh, so, 
you know, yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think, and I think that's part of it. I mean, every year you learn, you learn, you learn, and then mm-hmm. eventually you make some changes to your, to your game plan. Now tomorrow, uh, or next, next year, I might be just as stubborn as I was in years past. And I might just grind it, grind it, grind it. Hell, I might even sit all day. You never know. Right. <laughs> but, you know, I think that there comes that point in time where I was like, man, I can't be stubborn about this. Yeah. I need to take a day and go see what's out there. And I'm thankful that I did, you know? Yeah, for sure, man. And, and, and you know, I did something this year that I haven't done in the past. Like a lot of times, you know, I like to, if I have a new place, potentially it's like, I like to map my access like in the summer, you know, and it's like, and so yeah. I'm, I might go mm-hmm. in and walk, you know, and I might go in and hike it two or three times just to kind of like during the summer. So I kind of memorize like, you know, okay, there's a down log here. I need to take, I need to jog left a little bit here, you know, to try to keep myself out of brush or whatever. And I had this really good deer that was hitting a, a particular scrape and I, I, I lost him and I wasn't sure where he was at, but I was, I was, I was hell bent on thinking that he was still in the area. I was like, you know, he stuck around like into October. Like he didn't just like vanish. Like this is, this is part of his fall range. Like, so there's no right. reason why he shouldn't be generally close by where is he spending time and so i wanted to go in and and map new access to this particular area and so when i did that i ended up finding another primary scrape at the bottom of one drainage and then i found another scrape and kind of like the trail system that he was using and then i found another primary scrape at the other end so i kind of figured out like his little circuit and i ended up putting cameras in both places now i hunted him two other spots and i missed him by a day in both spots yeah you know but what the intel was like, if I didn't take a day and just say, you know what, I'm going to go hunt the evening and I'm going to map the access on this evening. And when I get to that one location, I'm going to go ahead and hunt it because I'm there. But I wasn't real high on the fact that I'm, I was like, there's probably like a 10% chance. I thought I'd see him there. Yeah. But I was uh-huh. like, I need to know how I'm going to get in and out of here. So I don't screw this up for later. And so in doing that, I kind of figured out a couple other places and then, you know, the one spot is going to be, I think good for late season. Cause there's still a bunch of, you know, red Oak acorns that are laying on the ground in there. That should be good. That don't have bugs or anything. And it's close to where I'm pretty sure he was bedded like late September, early October. So I think I have him there. And then he did show up, he did daylight on the other scrape. And so I know it, if I don't kill him this year, if he makes it through and he's still alive, he's likely going to be in that same area. Right. And so uh, I know he's yeah. playing this one kind of topography features, what he's kind of using, which is why all of a sudden he vanished on one camera started showing up on another one, you know? Yeah. So, and there's a thermal dump that's right there. Cause it's at the bottom of a drainage and stuff like that. And I'm like, it just makes too much sense. That's why I put a camera there. And sure enough, you know, he, I hunt, I hung that camera on the 22nd of October and, uh, uh he showed up on the 23rd at nine 30 in the morning. So, sure. And I hunted that evening. I hunted after work, you know, and hung it after work and hunted that spot. And he showed up the next morning on a mock scrape or on a scrape that I freshened up and he came in all fired up and pissed off. I used Troy Pottinger's kind of setup that he's, he sent me some of his secret sauce because he's like the scrape master. And uh, sure enough, that buck came in the next morning and all pissed off, hit that scrape. Like, you know, if you wish you could hear what the deer was thinking, you know, cause I've watched him on other scrapes and he kind of comes in and stands around and he's not real. Uh, I don't want to say assertive, but you know, he, you know, he's the cock of the walk in the area, but he doesn't come in like, like with that fired up demeanor necessarily. This one, man, he came in with like a purpose, like WTF who was at my scrape and like yeah. nose straight to the ground, dude, just like getting, you know, getting all that good, good wanting to know who it was, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
antlers in the trees, ripping those up. You know what I mean? Like he was not happy with the fact that someone else was all up in his business, you know? Right. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, uh, and that was cool to see. Cause I was like, all right, he's a player. Like he's a, he's a deer that I can probably, I don't want to say manipulates the wrong word, but I can probably, um, I can probably influence, you know, in certain ways, whether it's calling to him or whether it's like setting up other, another scrape in a location close by, if it's a better kill opportunity, you know what I mean? It seems like he reacts to stimuli, I guess is the point. So, yeah. Yep. So we'll see. Hopefully I'm able to find him this late season. If not, then he's going to be a, he's going to be a hammer for sure next year. But so man, then after that, dude, you ended up going to, uh, you ended up going down to Texas doing a little hunting down there too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got real, real lucky. I had, a I had a friend and a, and a client. Well, cause that, you were going uh, to hunt ducks at first, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I got invited to come tag along on a, on a duck hunt and, um, I'm not a duck hunter, you know what I mean? But, uh, I mean, I've shot a few ducks, but I, I can't call myself a duck hunter. I don't, right. I don't have, I don't have decoys and waders and all that. Right. But, um, I got invited to come down there and they had, they were, had invited me previous and I'm like, it's November. Screw you. I'm not making any plans in November. <laughs> right. Um, but since I was tagged out in Iowa, I ended up had, it opened up the schedule to be able to go down to Texas to, uh, to photo some, some duck hunting and, and participate in some, some duck hunting. And it got to be about a, about two days, maybe three days before that I was supposed to drive down there. And, um, the landowner was like, Hey, by the way, I have some deer and I, I understand that, you know, you're a, you're a deer hunter, uh, more so than a duck person. Would you want to, you know, do a little deer hunting while you're down here? And I'm like, okay, what's the deal? It's Texas. Mm-hmm. There's some form of offense in every property it seems like in texas you know like yeah i mean they're all just it's all ranched out yeah yeah Yeah. it's all ranched out down there and and the deer down there there's not a lot to eat so to keep deer healthy and happy it's you know corn and protein feeders right right so they said uh you know we do keep a fence you know at our ranch and stuff um and i was like well i don't know about high fence honey and you know i don't know if that's really my thing and then I thought about it for a second and I was like, you know, I've never done it. Right. Can I really have an opinion if I haven't done it? It's kind of right. like my blame kids. I'm like, Hey, try this, you know, try this casserole. Oh, it's disgusting. Have you ever had it? No. Well, how do you know it's disgusting? Right. So <laughs> I was like, maybe I should go do it. So the lady throws out a price and I'm like, Ooh, yeah, I don't know if I want to pay that much, you know, right. to do that. Not that it was a bad deal. It's just, I don't know that I wanted to spend my money doing that. We ended up working out a trade where she needed a photographer to do some real estate photos, um, you know, for her. So we worked out a deal and in exchange I could go hunt. So, um, anyways, that's what I did. I went down there the first day that I was there. I ended up sitting in a, sitting in a blind that was on the ground next to a corn feeder and about 30 minutes later, corn feeder turns on and a few minutes goes by this doe comes in, she starts eating corn and, and I'm still like in my head, I'm still going, 
all right, what's going to happen? You know, right. am I going to see some 500 inch whitetail come walking in with ear tags or, you know what I mean? Right, like I'm right. shooting, I'm shooting livestock. Right. Right. Um, and then about five minutes later, another doe comes in and then five minutes later, another doe comes in and then I see this little spike come in and I'm like, eh, I mean, this is cool, you know, whatever. Right. And then I look up again and there's like 10 deer coming from every direction <laughs> like cattle, <laughs> you know? And they come running in. I'm like, holy crap. I never thought about the whole fence situation ever again. Right. It was friggin' cool just seeing what deer. Right. And essentially, yeah. they're still kind of wild deer, but I'm seeing these deer come into the corn and they're, and plus it was uh, kind of pre rut for them too. Right. So they're eating, but they're also kind of bumping does and nudging does around and, right. and posturing up with little bucks. And I'm like, and if you're a deer hunter and you like whitetail deer, just imagine for one second <clears throat> that you're watching 15 different bucks posture up against each other. That's cool. Yeah. Anybody who likes watching a hockey fight ain't got nothing on this. You know what I mean? Right, like right. this is awesome. This is like a whole, the benches got cleared, you right. know? <laughs> and I was like, this is so badass. Anyways, I spot one deer in particular that I really liked. And he was, he kind of had that wide Texas rack, that kind of yeah. stereotypical Texas rack. And, um, I ended up coming to full draw and I had to, I ended up staying at full draw for a couple minutes, um, waiting just to make sure there wasn't a doe behind him or there mm -hmm. wasn't a, a little spike in front of him and, and whatnot. And I also didn't want my arrow to like hit, hit the corn feeder or nothing like that, you know, to right. damage an arrow or whatever. But eventually he got by himself and meh. I stop him and nice. launched an arrow at him and, you know, hit him and, and he went and fell over and, and I was like, well, and I, again, then it went back into that moment of, oh, I'm at a fenced hunt in Texas, you know, like, right. I don't know how I feel about this. I'm like, that was super cool seeing what I got to see. Um, and it, and it was fun. And then I went to go to get out of the blind. As soon as I stood up in the blind and reached for the zipper, every deer scattered and I never saw a deer the rest of the day I was there. Really? I mean, these aren't, these aren't pets, you know right. what I mean? Like yeah. They, they, they caught my wind and they saw me moving and that was it. Gone. It vanished. Vanished. Yeah. Hmm. So, um, which was kind of neat, but, um, anyways, went and tracked the deer. Um, then I thought I just killed a collie because they weighed <laughs> like a hundred pounds. Right. Yeah. 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 Their Those bodies are so small. Yeah. Oh, their God. bodies are small. Yeah. Texas deer are so, so small. And, um, and I got cactuses in my fingers and in oh. my pants and it, uh, I still have one in my hand that's still festered in there that I've just been digging at every day. Um, trying to, trying to get it out of my hand, but it's just a small little cactus splinter that's in there. And that was November 18th. And I'm still digging on this thing, trying to Jeez. get it out. But, um, but it was, it was, man, it was fun. And now I can honestly say that I've done it mm -hmm. and I know what the game plan is. Um, and I don't hate it. You know, right. it is what it is. Mm -hmm. You know, I made my post, I even put on their scouting credit corn feeder. Right. You know, yeah. I didn't. I didn't, I didn't do anything special to go scout that deer. Right. The only thing I did was make a good shot. Right. Uh, yeah. And I kept my ass scent free and quiet and still, you know, in the blind, right. but, uh, man, I had fun. 
I like I like whitetails. Yeah. You know, so it was a bunch of fun. Um, so the question now, is, would you would you do it a, now that you've had the experience once? Yeah. yeah. Would you would you do it again, or or is it like eh, it's a, it's a once and done thing? Yeah, probably once and done thing. Kind of like Africa or something. You know right. what I mean? Like, go do it one time, experience it. It was fun. Um, but there's a couple of takeaways, mm-hmm. and this is this could be debatable. Um, I think it's very stereotypical with merit, mm-hmm. <laughs> mind you, that there's a lot of wealthy deer hunters in Texas. Mm-hmm. Them ranches ain't cheap. Mm-hmm. And um, to have deer in those operations, that's not cheap either. Because mm-hmm. our deer can go eat a bunch of browse and become giants. Their deer can't do that. Right. So it takes a lot of supplemental feeding and, you know, things like that. So I told a, I had a buddy that I was like, yeah, you know, Texas hunting is Texas hunting. You know, it's different. I don't hate it. It's just different than what we're, we're accustomed to. And his response was, I don't hate on Texas hunting. And I said, okay, like, tell me why. And he says, um, those wealthy Texans, big ranch owners and those people that are CEOs and CFOs that go down to these high fence joints and shoot, you know, exotics and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. He's like, they paid 25 grand to go kill that deer. I'm like, yeah, it's crazy. He's like, okay, they could take that 25 grand and they could buy every lease that you and I have combined for the next five years. That's a good point. And I'm like, damn, they need to stay in Texas. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, that's a flip side way of looking at it. Yeah, because, um, I mean, they got the financing to where it's like they could go buy a 10000 I mean, if they're doing that once a year, they can go buy a $25,000 a year lease. Yeah. If they want to in Iowa and Kansas, you know, or they um, could buy a $10,000 lease in Iowa and Kansas. You know, yeah. well, Iowa, they wouldn't be able to hunt every year, but. You know, they, you yeah. get the point. Like they could go in with like a group of them, and like they could just rotate through. You know, but they they could still get that lease and guarantee that I don't get to hunt it. You exactly. know what I mean? Yeah. Even though they can't. So yeah, it's an interesting concept to think about it in that in that way. And I I had never really thought about it, um, you know, that way. But you know, like I said, now that I've done it, I don't hate on it. Um, granted, I think I would be critical if somebody went and did you know a fenced hunt or even a ranch hunt, mm-hmm. and then they refer to it or try to sell it like it was a public land. You know, man, we were out here 17 days on our hands <laughs> and knees. Right, right. And uh, belly crawled and shot this deer. Hey, if that's what they feel like they need to do, whatever, teach their own. I don't I don't care. But um, that's why I was very adamant on the very first post. This you is know, what it is. This is what it is. You know, right. I even threw the hashtag in there. You know, the neighbor threw up a fence. You right. know what I mean? Um, scouting credit corn feeder. I wanted to get in front of it right, right at the jump. Right. Um, I I didn't want anybody to think that I was trying to sell that. Like I was some public land hunting, you know? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think a lot of that stuff, there's a, there's a, certainly a place for it is kind of my, my opinion. You know, it's like, you know, the guys who are making that kind of Jack, like, you know, just call it what it is, man. Like they don't, people want to throw shade a lot of times on people who make a lot of, a lot of money. And mm-hmm. what I, I don't ever begrudge anyone to go get, to go get their cash. You know what I mean? Like that's no, not, you know, no. ever, you know, yeah. it's like the more you can make it, as long as you're happy, then, and cool, you know, good on you. Yeah. The flip yeah. side of that is, is there's things that they give up for it. And I see it every day in the work that I do because of the industry that I work in, you know, I, there's people mm-hmm. that I meet that I make shit piles of money. 
And the one yeah. thing that they don't have a lot of is free time, mm-hmm. you know, and if there's someone, you know, they, what they can't afford in time, they, they make up for by paying for that time, you know, or paying yeah. to like to move beyond the component that takes time. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. It's like, again, examples, my dad, like my dad, you know, likes to hunt big game, but you know, to go out West, like he wants to do, like he'll only do like outfitted hunts, you know, mm-hmm. reason being the old man paid his dues, made his money, you know? And right. like over the course of his life, you know, he, that was his priority. He made good money. And because of that, he didn't have a time to like go out West and scout or go out for two weeks. Like I got to go out for a week. And I want to fill a tag. I want, I'm, yeah. I'm going to want someone yeah. to help me out. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. you know, so I'm always like, if, if, if you got the cash to do it and you're short on time, I would rather someone go do that and stay in hunting and be into mm-hmm. hunting than to your point, buying up leases yeah. or, or getting into like professional tiddlywinks and spending their money somewhere else. You know what I mean? Because yeah. at the end of the day, that money still is going back to something that we all support and love, you know? Yeah. I mean, they still, they still bought a gun or a bow arrows, bullets, camo boots, um, you know, they're, they're giving money to an outfitter or to a guide or to a ranch. And then that rancher's buying, you know, deer corn or deer protein. They're buying feeders. I mean, it's still that full circle. Yeah. You know, it's everything still has its place in, a, in an ecosystem. You know what I mean? It's yep. kind of how I look at it. You know what I mean? It's like, yep. there's, you know, there's an ecosystem at play here. There's a bunch of pieces of it and all parts of it have a, have, have a place, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, like I said, at the end of the day, for me, the reason why I say that it's probably a, it's probably a one and done thing for me, um, is the fact that it also was another reminder that I enjoy a little bit of struggle, Mm -hmm. um, for sure. So, but like I said, I was there Mm -hmm. at the time opportunity presented itself. I wasn't going to say no, um, you know, and variety is the spice of life, man experiences yep. the more of them you have the better <laughs> hey i dated some crazy girls i knew they were crazy but i felt like <laughs> i needed that you know what i mean i needed i needed that for that ebb and flow right. of uh, what's normal and what's not right but, right you know exactly. yeah you gotta you gotta have it all so that's right um well speaking and of i know ha- everybody listening has dated a crazy person at least once so. right yeah exactly they we all tried be- it there might even be one in my house. I'm not sure. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, uh, well, speaking of having it all, man, like what's your plan for, do you still have another tag? I always forget. Yeah. Do you have, you have one yeah. more tag, right? So what, yeah. what are you doing yeah. for late season? You, uh, yeah. So for late season here in 10 days, um, I'm flying up to, uh, Saskatchewan. Oh, you know, what's yeah. funny is Saskatchewan when my daughter was little, mm-hmm. if she wasn't listening, I would always tell her I'd send her to Saskatchewan because I told her that's where all the bad things lived. Like oh, all, no. the, all the scary things lived. So yeah. I'd, I'd make my hand a claw and I, I referred to it as the claw. I'd be like the claw lives there. And I'd show her the claw and she would start crying. Oh and man. You ask her like, you put her on the bed and I'd pretend there's alligators on the floor. And like, and I'd be like, Oh, the alligators are gone. She's like, where'd they Your go? Your daughter like, like grew up hating Canadians. Pretty much. She's like, <laughs> I'm like, where do all the bad stuff live? And still to this day, if I say, Hey, where, where's the bad stuff live? She says Saskatchewan. I mean, she knows yeah. now, of course it's not true, right. but that was like, and I just, it was the first place I thought of when she was like, where did the alligators go, dad? And I'm like, Saskatchewan. Like, I don't yeah. know. Al- Albuquerque. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Something. That's funny. Nice. Yeah. So Saskatchewan. I got, uh, Saskatchewan. Yeah. And, um, taking the bow up there, it's going to be a nice, um, uh, balmy, like negative 10. 
Um, nice. But um, that should be a lot of fun. And it uh, it appears that I will have the option of a second tag when I get there. Nice. Uh, so it's an open antler tag. Um, the options are moose, muley, whitetail, uh, or elk. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the ungulates that I, I will see running around potentially while I'm there. Nice. And, uh, so like I said, I, I have one tag right now. I have the option of picking up a second tag over the counter, you know, when I get there, but, um, so I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to be out there hunting for six days, mm-hmm. six or seven days. Can't remember. Might be seven. Maybe I fly back out on the seventh, but I know I have at least six days of hunting there. Um, and then the day I come home is day one of Iowa's late archery slash muzzleloader season. Nice. Um, so this year, drum roll. Uh, here um, we go. I will be taking a bow and a muzzleloader nice. out into the woods with me each sit. Nice. Getting a little of that black powder. Yeah. Yeah. So nice. I figure if it's, uh, you know, 50 and under. I'll probably throw carbon at it and mm-hmm. if it's uh over over 60 or so then I'll probably throw lead at it. Nice. That's awesome. So man. I haven't I haven't gun hunted. Well, I can't say I haven't gun hunted cuz yeah, I've shot coyotes and pigs and stuff, you know, but right. um I have not white-tailed deer hunted with anything other than a bow since like I don't know, 2007, right. 2006. So nice. uh Anyways, and I'm not I'm not anti-gun as we've talked about on the podcast before, but uh I prefer a bow. Um mm-hmm. but recently started talking to uh to CVA and and um kind of gotten back into a little bit of gun stuff, you know, mm-hmm. here lately with some of the AR15 stuff and yeah. whatnot and yeah, man, I'm looking looking forward to it. Awesome, man. Yeah, dude, I'm that Canada hunt's going to be rad, dude. It's going to be super cool. Oh. Yeah. I'm um the only thing I'm thankful is that this hunt did not become a thing until about three months ago mm-hmm. because I can't imagine how bad it would have sucked looking forward to this hunt all year long. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm, exactly. I love, I love Canada. Um, you know, I did break down and go ahead and get, get the shot. Yep. Oh uh, yeah. have to do it to get across to. the border. Yeah. I had to, and I was holding out, um, and for the record, I don't care if somebody's vaccinated, not vaccinated. I, it doesn't matter to me. But for me, my choice, my body, right. I I was not going to get the shot. Right. I had COVID twice. Um, didn't even know I had it either time. So until uh, after the fact, um, and you know, antibodies were spiked, and they were right. like, "Oh yeah, well, you must have just had COVID." And I understand it's a real thing. And I feel bad for some of the families, you know, that have had family members that they've lost or been very, very sick over it. Um, but at the same time, it's, it, it's a, you know, it's a virus yeah. like the, the flu. I mean, this stuff happens all the time and, and I, and I do hate it, but, um, I myself was not, like I said, was not going to get the shot. Um, and, uh, just for the sole purpose of, I didn't feel like I should be forced to do anything, you know, right. that I didn't yeah. really want to do. And, and I, and I feel bad for the, for the pharmacist lady that actually gave me my shot. She got ready to put the shot in my arm and she's sitting there and she's looking at me and she goes, you really don't want this shot, do you? And I'm like, no, no, there's not, <laughs> nothing 
there's not a uh, a ounce of my body that is like give it to me baby you know what i mean like (laughs) i don't want it i was like not at all um but you know what i really want to go to canada yeah and uh they let anyone across the border without it yeah yep i was like whatever just get it over with i'm tired you know and i know that makes me un-american unpatriotic and all that good shit of course yeah of course Uh, um but you know it is what it is so well you get to go to canada and hunt and hunt moose with a bow so yeah that's and I didn't have a third ear, so it's yeah. all good. <laughs> right, you, you hear much better now, so it's all good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I nice. mean, I you know, I I only had a tail for like a day and then it fell off. Right, but, yeah, yeah. I still yeah, yeah. I'm I'm still growing mine. You know, yeah. it's, it's just it's just nubbin. It's okay. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's just nice. like a dog, they cut the tails off, dock the tails That's or right. whatever. But, That's right. Um but Hell no, yeah. I mean And I got, I got the shot the day before Thanksgiving and then all day during Thanksgiving, I was just on the couch, man, just no energy. Like Mm -hmm. I remember getting up to go pee and I got back to the couch. I'm like, wow. Like, I really feel like I accomplished something. You know what I mean? It's like, I feel like I should get a plaque or something. I know. I'm like, man, I just, uh, just a 15 minute power nap and I'll feel good again. And I'll be good to go. Yeah. Oh, it was horrible. But then I woke up Friday morning and I felt fine. So I did, uh, I did that Johnson and Johnson shot. Um, I'll have the affiliate link be posted in the comments later. (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting a kickback. It's all cool. Oh shit! Unfortunately, there are there are uh, some some folks who are might, might as well have an affiliate link. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know. I know. Good God. Well, and 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 I didn't. You know, the only reason I got that one is I was waiting till the last minute. Right. It was a single dose. Well, yeah, just to see if it like maybe like, hey, maybe they're gonna have a new policy because it changes like the wind. You know what I mean? Maybe yeah. they'll you know maybe they'll kick it. Maybe they'll be like, hey, everything's all cool now. You can you don't need it. I was waiting for variant Alpha Delta Pi to uh to, you know, be discovered. You yeah. know. I'm I'm waiting for Delta I'm well, I'm actually waiting for uh variant Tupac. I feel like yeah, we need but, to start like naming them after like hip hop artists. You know what I mean? Well, like they, you got the Dre variant, you get the Tupac variant in there, the biggie smalls variant. If you get both of them at the same time, you're certainly dead because they're gonna fight yeah. each other. You That's know right. what I mean? So Maybe East the first West you, rap you get, battle. Right. Exactly. You know, you get the puffy variant in there, a little P Diddy variant. Well, you know, they have, <laughs> um, they give those damn hurricanes some scary ass names. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I'm surprised they haven't started giving these things some scary ass names, you know? Right. Yeah. Variant Godzilla. Right. You know, something, but Hepalades, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, man, it's crazy. But, um, I don't know, man. It's a, it's a weird deal. It's a weird, weird times that we're, we're yeah, dealing with right now. And, um, I'm just like, man, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I waited till the very, very last minute to make sure that Lord, Lord Trudeau, Czar, right. Czar Trudeau wasn't going to shut down the country or something and not let me in. Right. And I told my wife, I said, well, I've already booked my flight with insurance, mind you. Right. Um, but I was like, I don't want to, I want to wait till the absolute last day to get the shot. She's like, we well, already booked your flight. Just go ahead and get the damn shot. And I was like, yeah, but what if Lord Trudeau like decides to close the country and then I will have gotten the shot for nothing. Right. You know? Yeah. She's like, well, it's not for nothing. I'm like, oh no, no. Like <laughs> because I don't want I, it. It's like, it, it is yeah, for nothing. In my lack of medical degree, uh, I think it is nothing. So, uh, 
right. I don't know what the I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. I'm not a doctor. Right. So I, I but, did uh, stay in a Holiday Inn Express though, so we're all good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they. I, I I've I've seen Grey's Anatomy once or twice. So <laughs> I watched the, I watched the ER in the '90s, dude. Like we're good. <laughs> dude, I'm telling you what, I pretty much know what I'm talking about. Right. George my Clooney bu- taught me everything I needed to know about medicine. My buddy's an anesthesiologist, so it's all good. <laughs> uh, no, it, this reminds me of a funny little joke here, and this will this will resonate in your neck of the world since you're kind of on that East Coast. Um, so I'm good friends with a guy named Kobe Folks from mm-hmm. Maryland. Yeah. And his brother Kip is who founded Under Armour. Yep. So one day, the other day I was talking to somebody and they were like, Oh man, you know, in the hunting world, you get to go on hunts and get to go to shows and meet all kinds of cool people. And I was like, Oh, so like I go, do you know the guy Kip folks that started under armor? And they're like, Holy fucking shit. Like, you know, Kip folks, the guy that started under armor. I'm like, no, but I'm good friends with his brother, you know? Like, <laughs> and they're like, what? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I know his brother. His brother's his brother. Cool, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Well shit, dude, we've been going for like, yeah. like an hour and 15 minutes, dude. I'm sure you got like photos to edit or videos to edit, or you always have something to work on. So I want to make sure. Night and then, uh, uh, then head over to hang out with Kurt and the boys tomorrow morning for a little sit down studio podcast there. Nice. Awesome. Tell Kurt, I said, what's up? I hope he's doing well. Those guys have had some success, man. He had, he killed a hammer. So yeah, yeah, yeah. He killed a good buck. And, um, actually to my knowledge, this is the first time that their entire core team has killed a buck. Oh, in the same Uh, year. Really? Yeah. yeah. Nice. That's awesome. Yep. So, um, yes. Tell him I said, tell him I said, what's up and, uh, happy holidays. I need to shoot him a text anyway. Just tell him happy holidays and shit. But uh, before I let you get out of here, man, tell people where they can find out more about what you got going on because you got some you got some YouTube vids that you put out on some of these hunts and stuff. Yeah, man. Um, as always, at Johnny.Utah.Hunt on the gram. That's for the most daily up-to-date content to see what I'm doing. And then if you like watching some hunting videos, um, please tune in to the YouTube channel, which is Arrow Wild TV. Or if you're a, a fan of watching it on Carbon TV, there's also an Arrow Wild TV channel there as well. Uh, do me a favor, hit that subscribe button and that little bell notification so you can be up to date on the latest and the greatest. And as always, keep listening to my dude, Clint Campbell of Truth From The Stand podcast. He's always spitting the truth. There you go. Truth spitter. On that note, I think we'll get out of yeah. here. <laughs> all right folks that is a wrap for today's show i'd like to thank all of you for listening and if you haven't yet please head over to itunes and leave us a five-star rating and hell while you're at it head over to youtube and give us a sub there too i'd be super appreciative if you'd be able to do those two things for me and before i shut this thing down i need to give a big shout out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible tethered exodus outdoor gear skull brew coffee company and maven optics and until next time we'll see y'all spread out on a tiny island that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But, as I've learned, no matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places. 
Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do hard shit hat for those of us who like to embrace micro-dosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear.